Hello, I'm Susan Dunlop, Life Coach. Welcome to Episode 29 of Coffee and Contemplation with Susan. Today, I'm speaking with Marty Davis, a reformed medical doctor practicing alternative approaches who lives in Denver in the US. And we're going to talk some dot to dots and a few alternate ideas. So I've already had a really lovely chat with her this morning, but I thought it's about time we actually got cracking because I could see the sun setting in Denver behind her at the moment. Like previous guests on the show, Marty took some time for herself this week to enjoy a moment of reflection. And she contemplated a handful of questions that came up I met Marty in my travels in 2017. I remember singing, I think it was a happy 50th birthday to Marty on that trip. Uh, And, you know, I knew a little but not a lot. And I knew Marty had retired as a medical doctor at that stage. She'd been working in ER uh, for quite a while. And, you know, just in the last few weeks, I wondered how Marty had come to that place in her life. You know, had she taken a leap of faith or was she pushed or so many other things? So, I reached out and Marty said, yes, she'd be happy to come on and um, share a bit of her story today. I saw Marty popping up at least once on her Facebook page a while back with the first video. So I could see that her business was underway in her new realm that's not about being a medical doctor. So we're going to touch a little bit on um, change and, you know, how you go about stepping from one thing into the other and, you know, to see, you know, where life takes you. So welcome, Marty. Mm, Hi, Susan. Thanks for asking me to do this, but uh, even more so, thank you for sending the questions out so that I could have time with them and reflect on them. And I was going to say that was a very beneficial piece of this as well. So That's great. No, it's really good. I know I said it was lovely, actually. I said sat down last night and I just really paid attention to what you said. So it was really nice to actually see what did come up for you in the past week. And I think yeah. it's a time of year even that reflection is a big piece of right. what's important for us, isn't it? Like if we sure. back at 2020, what did 2020 do for us? So <laughs> That hindsight thing. <laughs> that, that, that thing, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking that one piece stood out to me and you said that, you know, about you have a, had a circuitous path to now. And I just thought, you know, as usual, where will we start? Shall we start with what or whom did you dream of being when you grew up? When did the idea of becoming a doctor first come up to you? What did it mean? Was there anything else in relation to that that we can have a little chat on? You know, there really wasn't a a moment that I thought doctor, for any reason other than it might have just gotten me out of the environment I was in. So like I said, uh, it was a small town, really small town in western Kansas and most of the time, if anybody went on to graduate school or anything like that in the town, particularly women, they were going to go and be a teacher or uh, maybe a nurse. Uh, but most of the women didn't necessarily get out of the small town. I know I have always just had this huge interest in the physical body and what is it's capable of doing, particularly like in sports. And so you know, that was a major interest. I used to like to draw the body, the physical body and in my art class and so forth. And so I was really attracted to that. And I, and I always had this desire, I guess I was the one in the family, even though I was the baby of the family, I was kind of the one in the family that kept the peace and people came to, to, to fix things. And I, I think I liked that role. And so for those reasons, you know, doctor, it was like, oh, this is a, a prestigious title, I guess, and it helps people and it is involved with the body. So, okay, let's do that. And, you know, I don't think I had formulated all those thoughts in my mind, but uh, my parents 
my dad says, you know, you told us you were going to be a doctor when you were five years old. And so I don't honestly remember doing that, but I've heard that story over and over. So I might've, but anyway, so once I set my mind or made that statement, I guess I followed through with it. And that was another kind of characteristic, I guess, is that I was going to do what I said I would do regardless whether I knew what I was getting into or not. <laughs> ah, yes. So, anyway. <laughs> and the ER part of it, what made you move into emergency? Um, I really liked ER for a lot of reasons. Um, I actually trained before there was an ER residency in the States. And so a lot of ER docs came from trainings of like family medicine or internal medicine or something like that, that was a little bit more general. I went into family medicine. I liked that aspect. And at the time I thought I was going to be going back to a small town and practicing medicine and, you know, needed to be able to take care of birthing babies and kids and then elderly and so forth. So I did that, but I honestly loved the variety of the ER which was the same as I would have gotten in a small town, right? Um, I love the fact that occasionally you get these big cortisol, you know, adrenaline junkie type of activities, but the majority of ER care is, is, is just primary care. I mean, the majority is. The most of what comes in, you're going to see a lot of sick kids at the middle of the night when the parents don't know what to do with them. You know, you're going to see some injuries, broken bones and things like that. And occasionally then you get that heart attack or that, acute abdomen or a stroke or whatever that gets your adrenaline pumping. And, and then the next best thing was to not have to carry a pager or be on call. So you'd go do your shift and then you'd get to leave. Interrupted your family time a lot less, I thought. Ah, and that's important uh, from what I've yeah. seen in my past with nurses and doctors. That yeah. It's, yeah. it's nice to actually have both lives, isn't it, sort of somehow right. sorted out. Yeah. Right. Was it about problem solving then? Like, are you a great problem solver? Like when someone comes in and presents, you know, how does that feel as a doctor? Uh, I mean, that that is definitely part of it. It was the, the mystery, the problem solving, but also then the kind of reading people. So, you know, you'd get somebody that'd come in and say, I'm having chest pain and, you know, they're writhing or whatever. You would have the sense, okay, this isn't maybe a serious chest pain, you know? And I, I know that's maybe... Sounds a little oxymoron, uh, not a serious chest pain. But at the same time, then you'd get somebody that'd come in and they'd be like just all stoic and they're like, you know, I don't really think it's anything, you know, but it, it it's kind of a tightness or, you know, it'd be something just really nonchalant. And so then you'd get that intuitive hit of, no, this is something I need to pay attention to. This is serious and I'm going to follow that path. Or, you know, I'm going to talk them through what they might be experiencing and it's it it may maybe it's anxiety right so let's figure out why you're anxious and see if we can calm you down and relieve your pain without mm. costing you so much money for this huge workup you're making me think this when um when tom was in hospital after his motorbike accident he would downgrade his pain you yeah know, on a scale of one to ten which pain oh one yeah, yeah. and i remember yeah. this really lovely mature nurse male nurse came up and he said okay mate I'm going to explain to you what a 10 feels like and what a 9 feels like. And so it was good. So, I mean, poor Tom, like he was giving himself no, you know, pain medication because yeah, he, was, right. he wasn't saying enough, you know. So, yeah, I think that, that reading someone and yeah. obviously Tom got read. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, I think 
a lot of good nurses, the nurses save you for sure, but the good nurses help you with that. And then the good docs will also pick up on it, you know, because we always know that one person that comes in, you go, well, what, what's your pain on a scale of one to 10? And they're like 20. And you're like, okay, wait, you just set me off a little bit. Cause that wasn't the scale. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, like, it's like you're, you exaggerate everything. So how am I supposed to take what you tell me? As yeah. So anyway, yeah. there were a lot of things I liked about it. That was, that was that's that skill set I liked. Well, I'm going to ask you the question that you didn't choose to answer, um, only in relation to the fact that it is the year that we've had COVID-19 and people are um, intrigued a little bit about emergency. And I do know quite a few of my friends who um, from my old industry who haven't stepped back up to decide whether they would actually go back to work um, because they've retired, they don't, they've got new lives, they're doing other things in the community. But I did ask you, you know, what's the most outstanding moment of clarity you had about the importance of your role and your gifts that you deliver as a doctor? So maybe we talk about in terms of not necessarily you but in relation to doctors and what it must be like this year and their gifts and, you know, did you consider stepping back up and if not, why not? That type of stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. I actually did uh, think about stepping back into the field. I knew, at least in the States, they were letting medical students that hadn't even graduated yet work um, and residents and so forth were kind of being inundated by fire, right? I mean, they just, it's like, here you go. Um, and so there was a piece of me that was saying, you know, I should do this. I should get back in there and help because I have the skill set. Of course, I'd been retired at that point for a little over two years. You lose your skill set very quickly, especially if it comes to like intubations and things like that. And so I hadn't hadn't maintained those. So there was a fear piece uh, of not going back from that perspective, you know. And then there's the piece that you say, well, what's my life like right now? How am I serving in other ways? Am I working with elderly or am I? working in the school system as a, you know, volunteer or whatever it is, you know, people are out in the community helping, particularly I think nurses or, and docs that have been in that profession for a while. So then you say, well, I couldn't, I can't do that. I mean, I, ca I can't continue to do what I'm currently doing to help other people if I step back into that role, because here we had a lot of docs that were going to places to serve, like they might go to the hotspots in New York or whatever, but then they were quarantined in a, in a hotel the whole time and they couldn't even come back and spend time with their family. And so there were lots of things I, that played a role as far as what are some things that are just amazing about the docs, but it's not even just the docs, the first responders, I mean, even teachers to some degree because they were putting themselves out there every day. And so I, I think that's probably one of those things where, you know, medicine is a noble profession. It sometimes gets a really bad rap now because everybody's like, oh, you know, you just went in it for the money or whatever, whatever it is, you know. But I think when you got you have people that volunteer in, you know, indigenous, you know, in, in poor countries or areas where they're not from. Uh, that's a very noble calling. And then you have people like this who are going to put themselves on the front line all the time for something that we have no clue what, I mean, when it first started, you know, you didn't know what 
what the prevention was supposed to be and what, I mean, that's changed so many times since this has come to be. So they were making best guesses. So you've got a group of people that are willing to sacrifice um, themselves for the betterment of everybody, you know? So I think that's a huge noble piece of being a med- in the medical field in general, whether it's mm-hmm. the doctor, nurse, nurse, paramedic, whatever it is. So I think, yeah, people have had to um, weigh up risk a lot more, I think, than just keep on rocketing forward like they would have normally done in previous years. I think, um, you know, in any business, you know, pandemic, was that ever on anyone's risk management matrix to work out whether they needed to consider? I think we all learned a lot this year. It has. It has. I think we're still learning and um, we're going to learn for a lot of years after this, you know. Yeah. I think so. But I know you are you are working in something different now. So I thought maybe um how about we sort of move into the stuff that sort of is lighting you up at the moment. And I thought maybe when you shared to me that your path has been circuitous, it made me get a visual of dot to dots and that reminded me of Steve Jobs' words that as he said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it has made all the difference in my life. So I was thinking, looking back, what were the dots, some of the key dots that led you to retiring from your role as a doctor in 2017? Um, I thought that was just an amazing description. So I was grateful that you shared that because that is that is what it looks like. Uh, to, I think as I I'd mentioned to you, you know, it's funny because in life, the 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 dot to dots of our pictures that we did as a child, you know, you'd get halfway through it and you'd know what it was going to be. What I found out with this dot to dot life experience that we're having is they keep changing the picture, so the dots, you know, are are moving, and you think, oh, I'm just about to see what it's going to show, and then they put you on a different screen, apparently. So. Um, you know, I got into medicine. I was married young. I really thought for sure I'd be, you know, a, a small town doc because my husband is, is a farmer or was a farmer. My ex-husband's a farmer, you know, but it kind of changed. And so I think probably one of the very first things that put a bad taste in my mouth about medicine, which I didn't realize at the time, was the fact that the process of becoming a doctor was so arduous and so time consuming. And, and so 12 years after my marriage, it ended and I hadn't even finished residency at that point. And so I didn't even know where I was going to go at that time, but my plans changed uh, and I blamed medicine somewhat. So I think that was probably a very early peg into this. But as I kept practicing, I realized, you know, we're not doing, we're not serving people well. We're not healing anything with our Western approach to medicine. And we, we put a lot of band-aids on things and we recognize the symptom and we treat the symptom, but we never get to the foundational piece of what caused the symptom and, and treat that. And so I started exploring other ways. I, I looked into massage therapy. I went through and got my you know certification there so that I could help release some of the trauma that gets stored in the body that then leads to additional illnesses uh, for people down the road. I thought that was one way to go. And, you know, I got into meditation and yoga and I started to realize, you know, that that inner peace, the emotions and so forth 
that we experience and the thoughts, the loops that we play every day, they, they have a major role in our illness. And so as I was exploring all of these different avenues, I realized, you know, I'd like to help people differently. I'd like to help people understand their role in their own health. And I was exposed to Ayurveda, uh, which is an Eastern philosophy uh, of healing that is ancient. I mean, supposedly five, 6,000 years old. And it really resonated with me. I mean, it, it just um, talked more about the whole natural approach, but not just, you know, oh, eat, eat healthy, because what does that mean anymore? Everybody's got their own idea. You know, just taking nature in and using using it to help us process both thoughts, emotions, um, you know, not only that, but also what we eat and what we do to our bodies, because your body has to respond to everything you do to it. And and everything you do to it, it includes your thoughts and your emotions and everything that you put in. You know, I, I, I got into that. And then as a side note, trying to maintain my medical license, I went to uh, functional medicine. And so I went to the IFN, the Institute of Functional Medicine here and started training. And I thought, oh, this is amazing because this is the science of the of the West meeting the wisdom traditions of the East. Can I just ask what's functional medicine? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, functional medicine is they look at the body and they try to actually determine the root cause of illness rather than just treat the symptoms. Okay. So they're, okay. they're kind of a biological um, approach to it. And we like to say everything is, but they're more of a, a whole approach to it. So they, they don't take that reductionist mindset of, well, you have high blood pressure. So I'm going to give you this blood pressure pill and not care about how it affects the rest of your system. And, you know, and they also realize maybe it's not just that you're putting too much salt on your food or that you have genetics that say you're going to have high blood pressure. Maybe it's because you're in this really unhealthy relationship and it's causing all this stress. And therefore, you know, the, the cortisol is up and then your angiotensin and all of the things that go along with high blood pressure. So they really dig in deep to try to figure out why you have the symptom that you have rather than calling it a disease. And so I really like that. I, I rarely even say people have diseases anymore. I, I say they have a, a manifestation of something, you know, they're demonstrating this symptom because of something that's happened to them or that they've done to themselves or whatever it is, you know? So I look more for the, the root cause when you really dig into that, the symptoms start to go away. Listeners, Marty and I are going to leave you there this week and come back with part two of this episode next week, not just because I've just had three trucks arrive in the street to demolish yet another house, but because it's the second part of the journey and I think it's a, a little bit of a different story from here on. In the prep work for the episode, Marty had said to me that knowing that the entire person needs treating for healing to actually be possible she started asking herself if she wanted to be a doctor who brought in the spiritual or a spiritual guide who brought in the physical and that more and more people are becoming convinced that they are they have more control over their own health not simply the absence of disease and that the western approach while appropriate at times is less effective and more harmful than more ancient methods. We will go on with that next week and thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope you took some or got some takeaways from today's episode and we look forward to being back next week. 
Thank you.